Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. that we will be encouraged and hopefully challenged on some level to just kind of reach out, stretch beyond uh, where we are even at this moment and let God do something marvelous through all of us today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in Acts chapter 9 and uh, we welcome all of you here today and pray that the Lord will just touch us in a very unique and special way. I love the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. A few years ago, I, I um, started an, an intentional journey to read the book of Acts, a chapter a day, every, um, so read through the book of Acts every month, and uh, it's just amazing how even passing again and again and again and again, you just see some things underlined and underscored, and um, today we're going to speak to you about um a man that is not a stranger to probably some, maybe. Um, We will be introducing him a little bit to some, but I pray that the Lord can help us, whether we know him before or not, that we can take home some attributes today of this great great man. The book of Acts chapter 9 and verse 26, um, the Bible says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and now he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Now Acts 9, these two passages, portions of scripture of course are just They are a tipping point. By and large, they are a tipping point in the life and the ministry of what we would come to know, the ministry of the Apostle Paul. But no matter who we are or no matter what we become, I think all of us will look back in our lives and realize that someone, perhaps someones, plural, were instrumental in helping to weave us into the fabric of the kingdom of God that allowed us to become whatever we are in the hope of the Lord. Amen. And so today we're going to just center our thoughts around this man by the name of Barnabas and ask God to help us. And so I'm just going to ask you, uh, uh, when I say old timers, I'm not necessarily referring to age, but I'm going to ask you old timers that have been down through this path, please don't sit down in a spirit of disdain because you've heard this message before. But let's just sit down in, in, uh, in our heart and let, let the Lord speak something in our lives today. And you, you can be seated in the name of the Lord if you'll, if you'll be seated in that fashion. <laughs> I was thinking the other day, and I, I'm not sure how relevant this 
opening comment will be. I hope it is. Uh, I was thinking the other day, I was actually thinking of a particular situation that we were um, exposed to early on in our ministry years. And um, uh, let me choose my words carefully here. Um, I, I would suppose this, let me say it this way. There is a, you'd think I'd have been better prepared, wouldn't you? <laughs> I, I suppose it would be best to maybe say it as like this, that um, there was a day that, that the ministry of the church or the term ministry was just sort of limited to the minister and pulpit ministries and, and there was not a lot of promoting or reaching uh, for people to involve themselves and give recognition to multiple ministries within the church. And so as an end result of that, there were many people who called themselves preachers who perhaps really were not called nor equipped to be pulpit preachers. And they probably failed to come into the fruition of what God really wanted to use them for and use them as. And um, I think that certainly, and I, I appreciate not only the one call of God upon a generation, but I think there's a, an ongoing call of the Lord to call people to pulpit ministries. We certainly and obviously see the need of that. But I believe that there are so many ministries within the church that are all vitally important. They are not secondary, uh, low-level ministries by any stretch of the imagination. If we touch and impact someone's life and um, we help them to become what God would have them to be, then we have to realize that we have stake in that and, and that we are going to ourselves be rewarded for whatever they were to ever become. The greatest preachers and teachers and leaders of all time somewhere in their lives had a Sunday school teacher. They had a youth director, student ministries pastor. They had someone that cultivated a flame in their heart they helped shape them and mold them. And so whatever they ever become, we have some spiritual investment in that very thing. And so I think that we, it is so very important. And I, I think that we are doing a better job. I think we can always do better, but I think we're certainly doing a better job at giving uh, credibility and recognition to the multiple ministries within the church and therefore allowing people to feel comfortable working in ministry without necessarily feeling as though they have to be a pastor, evangelist, or a missionary, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, some of you have been around for a while. You know what I'm saying is true, whether it's ever been just kind of laid out in this format or not. It is true. That, that sometimes people feel something in their heart to do and the only thing they knew to do was to get a Bible and get up and, and attempt to preach. And there's nothing more miserable than being out of where God is really wanting to use you. And so we have Sunday school teachers, for instance, that would, that, that are, would rise to the surface as grade A quality cream. I mean, they're the, they're the, the absolute best you can get, but they may not feel comfortable standing where I'm standing today. And so it would be a shame to circumvent 
where their strengths would be to force them to stand here. And now all of us find where we really should be. Amen. Some people will, will successfully minister in multiple and varied venues that would probably feel out of place and may even be out of place to be, to be in any other forum. It's not the call of God or the will of God for them to perhaps go start a church in another city somewhere or to go on the missions field, but God is wanting them to, to use them right exactly where they are. And uh, I think, as I've said so many times, and I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record, but I think that we have such a great example of that in uh, Brother Kenneth Rayleigh, who is uh, such a, an important part of what we do here at the church. And uh, to my knowledge, unless things have changed recently, I don't think they're going to go on the missions field uh, anytime soon. I'm not being derogatory, but I don't think that you know he has a burning desire to go into... Um, you know, central uh, downtown Miami and start a metro daughter work there. And I hear the rent is somewhere between eighteen and $25,000 a month, so there would be a great challenge right there. And uh, but, but he feels completely comfortable right here doing what he's doing, and he is allowed through his comfort in doing what he does to allow people around him to be comfortable doing what they do. Does that make sense? Amen. Well, how was that for a preface? <laughs> The book of Acts chapter 4 refers to Barnabas as the son of consolation. And I think there's a great need today for people to give themselves to the ministry of encouragement and the ministry of edification. And if the Lord will help me in the next, in the next few minutes, I really want to underline just how instrumental Barnabas was in helping develop the Apostle Paul into what he became. Because Paul at times needed, as all people, needed encouragement. But there were other times that the Apostle Paul needed balance in his life. And Barnabas was that very individual. There were no tents that had banners outside in the yard that bore the name of Barnabas. But there may have been that bore the name of Paul. But Barnabas understood who he was, what he was, and he successfully, he successfully allowed the Lord to use him to do great things. And I believe that we need people that have that gift and would exercise that gift, cultivate that gift, just to come alongside people and encourage them and strengthen them. It, it doesn't matter, and I'm not trying to breed suspicion into your mind at all, but it doesn't matter how someone may smile when they're in, in the public eye or how steady their steps may be. You have no idea at times the personal fight that those people may be in spiritually and they need encouragement. When I'm talking about encouragement, I'm not just talking about shallow attaboys, you did a great job and, and, and just kind of stroking somebody's feather and massaging their ego. That's not what I'm talking about. I think kind words do go a long way, but I'm talking about somebody that would exercise the ministry of encouragement to come along and just lift you up. There are people that they're just lifters; that they just they're positive, and I don't mean that that they're silly and ignorant of their surroundings, but they're just they're just positive and they uplift you and strengthen you and and. Uh, 
and they have the ability to see a situation for what it is and not try to discount the gravity of that situation. And uh, when, when something's going wrong in your life and it's falling all apart, uh, we need to have enough sense not to say everything's wonderful. <laughs> we understand what's going on, but we, despite that, have the ability to just reach in and lift up. And so people that are hurting will always need somebody that will listen and somebody that will care because we can, we can listen without caring and people pick up on that, but we need somebody that cares. As a matter of fact, I think everybody needs an encourager from time to time. And I think that sense of encouragement, of course, comes to us from many different venues or, or sources. Certainly, there are times, as we find in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30, that David encouraged himself. And, and I understand that there are times that we just kind of have to reach down when we feel that there is no strength at all within us and just simply encourage ourselves. I, I get that. I, I understand that there are times we're just going to have to do it regardless of what's around us. But I, I, I'm not suggesting by that that we should just learn then to rely on our own resources, our own, our own strength or our, our own ability by no means because there are times that that we don't have that. We just absolutely don't have that. You don't have to get up and run around the building today to affirm that statement, but there are times. Life can hand you something that is so complex that it can rob you and just immobilize you. You don't know how to think. You don't know how to pray. Can I get a witness? Amen. You don't know, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to, how to reconcile this particular circumstance that's been placed in your, in your, in your life or in your arms. And sometimes they are, they may be temporary. And sometimes you may have the ability to recognize that this is a temporal thing. And, and if I can just get through this and, and perhaps some things are dated, I know that, you know, if I can get through this the next three weeks or the next month, but some things are placed in our lap for life. Life is never going to be the same again. I'm not going to say, I'm not saying that life is ever going to be good again, but life is never going to be the same. There will always be in the pages of our personal history the place where our life took this turn or that turn. I'm, I'm really not going to be a downer today. I'm going to be realistic, but just hang on because we're going somewhere. And so there are times that we just don't have that ability. We don't have it in us. And so we need, we need encouragement from another source. I think one of the most obvious sources that, the word of, that, that we uh, receive strength from would be the word of God. Without a doubt, the word of God. I, I think about the book of Isaiah. I, Isaiah has several passages of scripture, but certainly along this line. When we think about Isaiah 41 and 10, and I want you to follow along with me on the screen. <clears throat> I thought about even trying to do this collectively, but we may, we may mess that up. But uh, if you would just read along with me here in, in this scripture, Isaiah says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, Yea, I will uphold thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. 
you know what? I'm feeling bold. Let's try it together. Amen? About that same pace. Let's do it. You ready? Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. (laughs) Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Let's do it again. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now read that and go home and be the same. Read that and turn that book over and just set it down and say, well, that didn't help. My, my, my. I will, I am, it will, I am, I am, I am, I am, I will. The word of God, don't ever discount the word of God. Don't just look at that book as something that your granny had or that your mother had, but we need to pull that book off of the shelf. And then we need to pull these passages into our heart and lives. Fear not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Amen, not because your circumstances don't merit dismay. Don't be dismayed because I am your God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. God says, I have this. How encouraging the word of God is in our lives. It's a powerful source of encouragement. No matter what you have to do to drag yourself here Sunday, get here. No matter what you have to do to drag yourself here Wednesday, get here. You know why? We need the word of God. We need the word of God. We may feel like we're dragging one leg behind us and you may be, but get to the house of God. Amen, get to a place where you're gonna have fellowship, get to a place where you're gonna have encouragement, get to a place where you're gonna hear some singing that's gonna lift you up, some preaching hopefully that's gonna lift you up and that's gonna put something in us, some gunpowder in our spirit and heart. And you know what, whether or not, you know, the word of God is kind of like a vitamin. If you think you're gonna take a vitamin and just stand there in the next 12 minutes, you're gonna morph into an 18-year-old. It's not not going to happen. But there's just something about the power of that going in your vein and the power of that, it's there. It's doing a work in you that you cannot even measure. However, I believe that even beyond the word of God, or maybe I should say in addition to the word of God, there is an often overlooked ministry. And if, if so, if it is an overlooked ministry, then I think it's time we did something about that. I, again, would not want us to ever, ever consider what we do for the work of God or the kingdom of God to be some secondary or, or, or non-important role and, and in doing so, I think that we can, in looking at the lives of others, see that it was not an insignificant role. The man at the center of our scripture today is a man by the name of Barnabas. There's a lot of characteristics that define this man. And so I just want to briefly talk about 
him in your, in your presence today. And the, the first mention of Barnabas is in the book of Acts chapter four. And this is where he has exhibited such a spirit of consecration or, or dedication to the overall call and the cause of the ministry. It seems apparent that nothing meant more to him than the work of the church, the work of God. Amen. Let me pause here today and tell you that if somewhere along the line life or circumstances or how people have responded to things has jaded your view of church, that you need to shake that off. Amen. You need to shake that off and we, we need to have as much devotion and excitement and enthusiasm about the work of God today than we have ever had. Because despite all of her ills and despite everything that's wrong, I'm gonna tell you something, the church is the best place we could ever, ever, ever be. Amen. Don't ever lose your love for the church. I'm gonna ask you, don't ever lose your love for this church. We're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. The good news is we never claim to be. Amen, but what, what, what things are wrong, we're working to correct and pray that God will always help us to be that way. Amen, but the early church was unified with one heart, with one soul. And according to scriptures, in the early church, many people sold their possessions and they gave that, uh, they gave of themselves. Uh, the Bible says of, uh, of Barnabas that in Acts 4.37 that he was among those that the scripture says, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. It would appear that Barnabas had a great spirit and was consecrated to the work of God. The, the scripture mentions his name along with all of the others that, that contributed to the kingdom of God in this fashion. And so whatever served to give him this honorable mention, it seems that it set a pattern for others to follow. There were others that did the same thing. Barnabas was just mentioned by name. The apostles changed his name from his original name to Barnabas to, uh, 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 the word Barnabas means son of consolation. They obviously saw something in him and they renamed him, so to speak. And that's how we know him today as this son of consolation. I think that perhaps his, his temperament was that of a helper, a friend in need. Uh, but I think, uh, I think a person that is fully devoted to things extends itself into multiple areas of life. We're not just willing to help with um, one thing or another thing or a couple of things, but we're, we're willing to just kind of help do whatever we can. Even if we're not necessarily gifted in some area, we can help others in their gift. Uh, earthly goods apparently didn't mean a whole lot to him and we're not speaking against this. Perhaps God had laid on his heart to do exactly what he did. But in his conversion, he apparently sensed that God had something for him beyond where he was when the Lord found him. Matthew 16 and 26, the scripture says, for what is a man profited if he, should gain the whole, if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I realize that we're all traveling different roads and God has a different path. The Bible says, let us run the race. We have a race that is set before us individually. And so we all have to run that race. And so with each particular calling, there is a different sacrifice demanded, so to speak. But I believe that every one of us should be willing to do whatever God would have us to do to fulfill that in our lives. This past Wednesday night, we had our, our missionaries, Brother and Sister Wicket, missionaries to Fiji. They were here. What an incredible service Wednesday night. What an incredible message. My, my goodness. And uh, he said many things that intrigued me, but one of those things um, 
was that when the Lord spoke to him about answering the call to go to, uh, to the Solomon Islands to work for him, number one, one of the things that intrigued me was that they had been working in the field of pastoral ministry for 20 years. And the Lord began to lay that on their heart. Uh, another thing was that he said he felt like the Lord spoke to him that they were not the only ones that he had called to go to that particular region to work, but they were the first ones to say yes. Wow. <laughs> Amen. That was, a, that was a kind of a sobering moment. And so I'm not sure what prompted Barnabas to, to sell his possessions and bring that and lay it at the feet of the apostles. Maybe he felt that whatever he had would hinder him or maybe he realized that God was gonna use him in a different capacity altogether and he wasn't gonna need this. This was a part of his yesterday, but it wasn't gonna be a part of his tomorrow. Whatever it was, was we understand, I, I believe fully, that the call of God was foremost in his life, if this is what you need me to do. The Bible says in Matthew 16, uh, the scripture in verse 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And so here is this exchange. You're gonna have to lay it down to pick it up. We're gonna have to give it away to get it. And so it is the spirit of the Lord that needs to touch our lives and prompt us, and then we have to be willing to follow that. When the church at Jerusalem heard about the revival in Antioch, they sent Barnabas, Acts 11. The Bible says, who, when he came, had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added to the Lord. God bless the encouragers that come along and just say, keep on keeping on. <laughs> just stay with it. Faith is, a, I think, certainly a prerequisite to the ministry of encouragement, and I say that on purpose because sometimes encouragement has to be um, administered during some very dark seasons of people's lives. And so we need great faith. Amen. We really need great faith. Follow me now. I, I know this for a fact. You can't, you can't just on your own, look at some people and the circumstances that they're facing in their life without great faith in God and commend and, and, and allow the Lord to commission a word into their heart and life that everything is gonna be all right. If you don't have great faith, their circumstances, that have, the circumstances that have swallowed them up could swallow you up. And so if you walk into their home, for example, and they're wondering what are we going to do and you begin to look around and hear and take in all the circumstances and you look at back at them and say, what are we gonna do? <laughs> you heard about the man that was about to jump off a bridge and somebody went up to encourage them. They, nobody could hear what they were talking about but they were exchanging words back and forth and in a few minutes they both jumped. <laughs> Forgive that tasteless example but but if we're gonna be an encourager, we, gotta have, we can't both jump. Somebody has to stay focused. Somebody has to, somebody has to take the information that has been given you and not ignore that, not ignore, not ignore the gravity of it by any stretch of the imagination, 
but we need to understand that the power and the spirit of faith can touch us to where when we say everything's gonna be all right, the Holy Ghost says that through us. Amen, I, I, I just need to share something with you today. I, 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 um, I've been encouraged by this. I don't wanna ruin this for others that haven't maybe listened to this message, but recently, Brother Wayne Huntley was preaching it because of the times and he preached a message and shared a few things that I just feel like is fitting here today. And um, he, back last year, Brother and Sister Huntley, were in their home. I, we were we were aware of this. Many, many of you perhaps were aware of this if you were on Facebook. And uh, they were in their home um, one afternoon, and they heard just a, a noise of some sort. It sounded just like a pop or something, and and uh, wasn't all that alarming. In a few moments, Sister Huntley decided she would just get up and walk outside and uh, to see what it was, and she just began to scream, it's on fire. She didn't uh, say what was on fire, it's on fire. And so he came running out, and, and uh, they were both barefooted. They were just in their, just in their house, and uh, their house was on fire. And I, I'm gonna just insert this one thing that really have a lot to do with what I'm talking about, but just the hand of God is so gracious. He said, uh, immediately went to his water hose. And uh, the thought was just to put out the fire. And he said, for whatever reason, the water would not come on. He found out later, the fire marshal told him that it was an electrical fire. And he said, if you had squirted water on that, it would have probably electrocuted you and killed you instantly. So that was just the hand of God's grace there that just stopped his attempt at intervention. At any rate, he, his home was on fire. It did burn, they lost everything, it was a complete loss. But uh, while his home was burning, he called one of his friends, minister, pastor friends, and began to share that with them and was just asking for prayer. And apparently it was that man or someone who called Brother Anthony Mangan and told him that his house was on fire. Brother Mangan called Brother Huntley while he was still in their yard. His house is on fire, if you can kind of envision this in your mind. And Brother Mangan just began to weep and cry and pray for him and, and tell him that God was was going to use this for his glory and that God was going to help him. And and, uh, and so he said, I mean, the, the fire trucks are driving up, the ambulances are there, people are from all around coming in and Brother Mangan is on the phone crying and he's praying and speaking in tongues and saying everything is gonna be all right. And then he asked him a question and Brother Huntley was kind of making this a little bit humorous if, as you can well imagine. He said, Brother Mangan asked him, had he ever preached about Leah in the Bible? And he said, <laughs> he said, uh, you know, he's asking me if I've ever preached about Leah. And he said, my house has fallen in just one wall at a time. I mean, we're really going to talk about this right now. <laughs> and uh, and uh, have you ever preached about Leah? And he was just so in, in, just so in touch with the Spirit and the presence of the Lord. And he said, I feel to tell you that this is your Leah moment. This is not what you want but it's what God knows is best. Now he's telling him this while he's on the phone. I want you to get this picture in your mind in his front yard watching his house burn down. Amen, everything they own is going up in smoke. This is your Leah moment. This is not what you want, but this is what God knows is best. In time, in just a little bit of time, uh, the uh, fire captain came over to him and said, Pastor Huntley said, uh, we need you to come over here. The Red Cross is here. They have their, 
their mobile station here and they want to meet with you and your wife. And so they walked in and there was a young lady there and she began to talk to them about the things that they could offer them. They would help them get housing and temporary housing and clothing and things of that nature. And and Brother Huntley understood, you know, that they their church would help them and and uh, that that and so he was just trying to kindly tell them that everything's going to be all right. I appreciate that, and and uh, these are probably resources that other people could use. And and uh, she said, and we will even offer you uh, psychological counseling. And he said, I smiled, and and uh, he said uh, she wanted to know kind of what the smile was about. He said, Well, I am a counselor, <laughs> and. Uh, and so it just seemed as though not in, a, in an abrupt way that he was sort of just turning down everything that she was offering, and uh, so, so to speak. And uh, so in the process of it all, she said, well, you know, as they were getting up to leave, she said, we, we really haven't even introduced ourselves, and I apologize about that. This was her very first night to be in this position with a Red Cross. And so he said, well, my name is uh, Wayne and this is Patsy Huntley and uh, Patsy Huntley. And so, uh, and she says, well, I'm glad to meet you. And she extended her hand and said, my name is Leah. Amen. In a Red Cross mobile wagon. Amen. My name is Leah. So what I'm trying to tell you today is that this is not an insufficient ministry. This is not something that all of us could not be used in to say, I want to encourage you. Now, I don't think that Brother Mangan premeditated, obviously made this phone call to say what he said. I think he made the phone call by faith and God began to say what needed to be said. Amen. Now, I'm not trying to license somebody here for dangerous things or even foolishness, but the scripture said when the Lord commissioned his apostles, he said, take no thought about what you'll say. Amen. Now, don't read that dangerously. He said, I'll fill your mouth with words. And so what I just feel in the Holy Ghost today is to tell us that, that everyone needs a Barnabas in their life. Amen, and so many people in this auditorium today could fulfill this. I understand in a general way, it would do all of us well to have the spirit of Barnabas, to be an encourager and certainly not a discourager, but I believe that God can call people today in this congregation, or perhaps the call is already there. Maybe this message today would be enough to just encourage you to step into this and say, you know what, I could do this. I could, I could, I could be used of the Lord in that way. And you know what, it may start with simple phone calls or just sending a card with a word of encouragement. You have no idea what God can prompt you to write at that moment. It may just be one line. It may be just one phrase that God plants in your mind and your heart, but it may be the deal maker in this particular situation. Amen, I understand the story that I just shared with you was kind of one of those anomalies in life we may think, but can I tell you, you while you may never see yourself in that complete capacity, let me tell you that don't discount how God can use you. Do not discount how God can use you. Amen. Barnabas strengthened young converts in the scripture that I just read to you. Amen. He encouraged them to just hang in there. It's important that we encourage one another. I know we have ministries of encouragement in various 
in various ways and aspects, people who are shut in and things of that nature, our Bible quizzers during Bible quizzing season, some of you sort of adopt them and, and you uh, send them cards and encourage them along the way. Don't discount. Do not discount how powerful that can be in the life of a young person because when we are at a vulnerable place in our life, It doesn't take a whole lot of light to help you see the way. I generally, as a rule, get up before daylight every day. I don't ever want to turn on a light to uh, interrupt my wife or whatever. And so what I use every morning to see how to get, I know where the door is and I know where everything is, but I don't know what may be in the path. Years ago, I used to have to worry about my wife rearranging the house. I don't have to worry about that so much anymore. <laughs> But you just never go sit down where the chair was when you went to bed. It don't necessarily mean it's there today. This is another day. But all I need is just the light. It's not much light. It, it, doesn't, even, it doesn't even affect anything in here. But it just depends on how dark it is. So you think, well, what I have may not be much. Well, you don't know how against how dark it is. It may be all that's needed. Uh, contrasted against the darkness that's pressing in on someone right now, that may be enough to illuminate their path and to help them navigate around obstacles that they did not realize were in their path. Amen. I pray the Lord and the, the Lord would touch this word to our heart today because during vulnerable moments in our lives, amen, we need a word of comfort and that word can be priceless. I'm not talking about superficial talk. People understand and they get it when, when you're just trying to give a hand, a hollow handshake. Amen. But I'm talking about, amen, getting a fresh word from the Lord. Pray over something and say, God, what would you have me to say? Amen. And so we, here is, here's the real challenge before us today. We can't neglect each other in our busy schedules because I don't know of anyone who's not busy. I don't know of anyone who doesn't have more moving parts in their life than they can hardly keep up with. And it's very easy to become introverted and just worry about me and mine and take care of ours. I don't want to get involved in that. But can I tell you, there is healing and helping. There is so much healing and helping. You never know when you reach out to encourage someone else just what the Lord is going to do through your obedience. Amen. So when Paul was converted in our text today, and I must hurry, um, when he was converted <coughs> because of, uh, of the apostle Paul's track record, a lot of the disciples doubted his sincerity. And who could blame them? <laughs> I mean, he was the chief persecutor of the Christians and he had, the scripture says, made havoc of the church. You can read into that what you will. It's exactly what it's, it says in scripture. He made havoc of the church. Paul confessed when he was before the ruler. He said, you don't understand. He said, I, every chance I got, I, I disturbed the church. I persecuted the church. And he said, even those that died, I gave my vote to those who died. And so Paul was a man with blood on his hands and he knew that. And so, and, and so here is Paul that has this great conversion story. He needed somebody to believe in him because the body at large did not. So he needed somebody to bridge that gap and somebody that would help them and that person was Barnabas. Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. He began to 
he began to put in a good word for him, in other words. Nothing was political about this. He just needed somebody to vouch for him and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached up boldly at Damascus in the name of, of, in the name of Jesus. And so what would have happened if Paul had not had exposure to this ministry of an encourager, somebody that would speak on his behalf. Seemingly, Barnabas was the only one who believed the story of his conversion, but if Barnabas had done nothing else but just show up this one time, this one day, and say this one thing, it would have been enough. If Barnabas had flashed into the pages of Scripture for just these few moments and then vanished forever and now lost in history, we would still be the benefactors of the great writings of the Apostle Paul and all that he did. Thank God the Lord needed him for that moment and he was willing to be that minute man. He was willing to be that one that would stand in the gap. Amen, he turned the tide for that and I'm thankful for that. Paul and Barnabas ministered at the church in Antioch for a year and during that time, the congregation developed into a strong church. As a matter of fact, I don't think this is just a play on words, but the Bible says that it was in the city of Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. It was right here under the leadership of these men. This spirit of love prevailed. It prompted the Christians in Antioch to send financial help back to Jerusalem when they were going through a great time of famine. They sent their love offering by the hands of Barnabas and Saul, amen. And so here in Acts 13, Barnabas and Paul were commissioned to the work uh, together among the Gentiles. They were different. They were very different, but they complemented one another. And you know what the devil likes to do in churches is point out our differences and highlight our differences and shroud how much we compliment one another through our differences. Amen. And I, I believe that he, the in, hand of the enemy is at work even in the hour that we're living in to, to just kind of sow little seeds of discord and dissension. Amen. Maybe right here in this church, but beyond that, certainly, uh, of just because of our differences. But can I tell you that our differences shouldn't be things that divide us, but we ought to realize that we complement one another. What you're not, I am. What I'm not, you are. And no one here is the total package. No one here is the total package. While we may accept sale in certain areas, we probably fall miserably short in other areas. Am I alone? <laughs> I hope I'm not alone and I hope it's not, I hope it's more than just the 12 or 13 that raised your hand, but amen, we are, we all, we all have these, these issues in our lives where we're strong in some areas and we are just a mess in other areas. Amen. <laughs> I sure am a mess in a lot of areas. <clears throat> the harder I try to be quiet, the noisier I am. You are to hear me stealthily moving around in the kitchen in the mornings. If you'll just be still and be quiet in the morning, I'll probably wake you up. I need everything made out of foam rubber. I would still find a way to knock something over. <laughs> and I'm trying so hard to be quiet. 
I'm a mess. I'm a mess in more areas than that. I just I kind of went to the bottom of the list there. <laughs> and you would have if you had the microphone too. Amen. I'm, I want to kind of rush ahead. I'm I'm running out of time, but here's something I think it's very very important for us to understand, and I would not want to miss this. I think like. One of the qualities that Barnabas possessed was one of the same qualities that John the Baptist possessed when it came to him and Jesus. Barnabas seemingly knew in his heart that Paul's ministry would far exceed his. But despite this knowledge, he had never allowed that to create jealousy and envy. He, he realized it was Paul and Barnabas, but the flyer was probably just gonna have Paul's name on it. <laughs> the, the screen would probably just say Paul. But he was comfortable with that being an encourager. And can I tell you that he was ever more as much of the Apostle Paul's ministry as anyone else. He never allowed that to become a competition. And I would not ever want the ministries and the ministers in our church to ever get in competition with one another. Be yourself. Brother Tenney says, you might as well be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Just be yourself and let people appreciate you for who you are. And you are not me and I am not you. And the most miserable thing you'll ever try to do is to be me or someone else. Just be who you are and let God develop you in your own unique fashion. You be you. That's who God wanted you to be to begin with. And let the spirit of the Lord touch your heart and your life. Amen. In the scripture, I won't read it for the sake of time, but in the 15th chapter of Acts, there was a dispute among the disciples. And you know what? If you work together very long, there's gonna be a dispute. And uh, you've, probably, you've probably disputed at some point or another with the very person that you claim to love the most. And that's your companion. I know it's been years ago, but you probably remember that one time? <laughs> Way back. And so there was contention, there was dispute that came up. People got crossed up. And Barnabas was determined to take with them a man by the name of John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul did not want him to go because before they had gone on some missionary journey and John Mark had gone with them and for whatever reason, he decided he wanted to go home. He didn't want to be there. I don't know if he got homesick. I don't know what happened. But he didn't want to go. And so Paul just says, well, that was enough for him. So we're going to go against him. Well, we don't want to take him. He's going to get halfway and turn and go back home. And that, But apparently... This was a strong dissension over this. So I'm, I'm sure we're missing a few pieces of the puzzle here. But there is no more blatant 
disruption or situation like that in scripture than the one that arose between Paul and Barnabas over the ministry of John Mark. And so <clears throat> they were unable to agree. So, so now Paul and Barnabas decided to separate. So Paul took Silas and then Barnabas, he said, well, I'll take John Mark. And so the scripture doesn't really follow as closely the, the missionary endeavors of Barnabas and John, but it's evident they were successful. Paul later com- commended John Mark as a minister worthy of acceptance. That's what you find in Colossians 4. So, so here, was this, here was this guy that said, well, I understand. He didn't just try to shoehorn them together and tie them together with a leather belt and say, you're going together. He said, well, let's, you just take Silas and I'll take him and we'll go on. And in doing so, somehow he built another bridge. And Paul said, you know what? That John, he's, he's worthy. That John Mark is worthy. He instructed Timothy to take Mark and he said, bring him with thee. This is what Paul said to Timothy. He said, take Mark and and bring him with thee for he is profitable for me for the ministry. Later in Paul's life, he realized, you know what? I need this man. Somebody needs to be that bridge builder to say, you know what? Maybe right now y'all can't get along, but let me take him. And in doing so, he he highlighted and complimented this man's ministry. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come. And so, here it is. You can't read the New Testament without realizing the impact of the ministry of Barnabas. We introduce, we're introduced to him by a man who's giving everything, giving all. He became that important, that all-important voice that kept someone else going, that encouraged him when he needed encouragement, that grounded him when he needed to be ground, grounded, and that worked out solutions when there were problems. And he was apparently very successful at that. So can I tell you today that anybody can be ugly? Anybody can cut up and have a bad attitude. Anybody can do that. It takes a real child of God to say, you know what, for the sake of the cause, I'm gonna take a deep breath and I wanna be an encourager. I don't wanna tear down. I don't wanna take one, not one brick out of the wall, not one. You know, uh, I don't. I don't want to belabor the issue at all. But many times, let's stand. That'll help. Many times, when you go to a federal uh, park or um, maybe a, somewhere that's a protected sanctuary of sorts, even though it may be a, a natural setting, there are signs and and. Uh, Many times when you get there, there's somebody there that kind of gathers the group up and and uh, and they kind of go through a little orientation. Now the buildings we're about to walk through and they give you a little place in history and and they're gonna kind of put everybody on the same page. I visit a lot of these different places like this and there's one thread of continuity that I have found through all of these. It says, now whatever you do, 
don't take anything. They're not talking about stealing, obviously, you know, taking something, but don't even take a rock. Don't. See, that seems harmless to us because we're standing there, a group of 10 people, so what? What would it hurt if I picked up a stick? But see, they know millions of people's coming through there. And if everybody picks up a rock, the island's going to be gone. And so some people may think, well, what I'm saying is harmless. It may be. But what if you influence, influence others and they take away and pull and after a while there'll be nothing left. I remember years ago, <clears throat> uh, don't hold this against me either way, but uh, we visited the home of Elvis Presley. And uh, this was back when you had flash photography and they said there's no photography allowed. I remember, I was intrigued by that. I was I wondered why. I mean, I, I I get it from a monetary point of view, but they were really emphasizing the flash. And the leader of our group said, "Well, you know, if if, if you take a picture, it's not one no big deal. But when you consider the millions of people that come through here, the flash in time will fade the curtains and the fabric of the." couch I was like wow I never thought about it in the grand scheme what would it hurt if I did this it's not you it's that in time it takes away it robs And so can I tell you today let's get on board stay on board let's let Paul let's let the spirit of um, the, of the Holy Ghost baptize us to be this Barnabas I want to give. I want to do. I want to put back. I don't want to take away. By the same token, we may think, well, what I do is so minuscule. It's up against the big scheme of things. But can I tell you, it's that when everybody gives, it's when everybody does. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm overstepping my bounds here this morning a little bit. Brother Fears walked in my office this morning. I won't embarrass him. You couldn't embarrass him. No, it's not possible. <laughs> so I promise you this wouldn't embarrass you. He came in the office this morning. He said, you know, I had a good day yesterday. He said, you know, I went home and he said, I felt like I didn't do anything. I had already thanked someone else yesterday. I thanked several people and and, and, I, and I got the same response from almost everybody. They just said, well, I don't know if I did anything. When we all work together, that's how it should feel. No one person had to hold up one whole end of the building while somebody swept out from under. But everybody doing a little. And so that's what the work of God is all about. And so don't let the devil convince you that you're not significant. Because what you do is lending to the overall. Barnabas could have left this life and thought, you know, not one, one sign ever bore my name. Or, you know, I, I just kind of cowered in the shadow of another man. But I believe he left this world thinking and knowing that God had used him to help keep a man's feet on the ground. And today we are all so much better for it. Can we slip our hands up? You've been so kind. 
hear me today. God, thank you for speaking to our heart. Thank you for the word that touches us and helps us to be what we ought to be today. Strengthen us now in the great This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.